Right eye dominance. Right eye dominance. Right eye dominance. Right eye dominance. Right This is the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. Hi, everyone. Just a quick message before we jump into today's episode. There is a discussion of explicit sexual material in this episode, so listener discretion is advised. And most of this is probably not safe for work, so please don't listen to this episode on loudspeakers in a public place. Consider yourself warned. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I am your host, Nick Toro Jr. Thanks for joining me today. The title of today's episode is Japan, Photo, and Sex. And what I'd like to discuss is the work of two particular photographers who I'll get into in a moment and talk about some of the imagery and how uh, sexuality is represented in their work, some of the challenges and issues uh, when viewing this work, when presenting this work, and the somewhat complicated relationship that Japan has with sex and sexually explicit materials. So jumping right in, I'd like to discuss the work of a male photographer from Japan. His name is Nobuyoshi Araki. He actually just goes by the name of Araki. He is well known in Japan as not only as a photographer, but also possessing a pretty highly visible pop culture presence. Um, Araki is known uh, for a wide range of photography work. Much of it is sexually explicit, and I'll get into that in a moment. For Western viewers, maybe his most well-known photography project was called A Sentimental Journey, where he photographed his wife extensively uh, throughout their relationship. And spoiler alert, his wife actually passed away, and that is actually part of that body of work. Very powerful uh, photographs and really poignant exploration of a loving relationship. And I'm talking about that work because if you contrast it with the work that Araki is mostly known for, you'll be surprised perhaps that a lot of his work is sexually explicit. There is a video on YouTube, which is a, a documentary about Araki. I believe it's called Araki Mentory. And there's really no holds barred showing how explicit his photos are, how he interacts with his models, all primarily female models. Uh, Araki himself refers to his work as soft porn. And to Western eyes, it definitely looks that way in, in at least a lot of the work. It's just very explicit and very graphic. He also delves into Japanese cultural tropes and representation of women and women and sexuality that go back centuries and is part of a tradition in Japanese art called shunga, which deals with sexual material. 
His work features bondage, oftentimes women bound in ropes and leather. All of this viewed through the contemporary lens of the Me Too movement. This film in particular is, is somewhat cringeworthy, although it's interesting to see Araki himself unapologetically pursuing this kind of work. And also the participants in the photographs, the, the women in particular who are modeling for him, are presented as willing participants in this kind of photography. So it's complicated, <laughs> is what I'm really trying to say here. And I want to talk about just a few personal reactions that I've had when viewing Iraqi's work, uh, being confronted with it in person, and more thoughts about this documentary film that I viewed recently. So as far as my own interaction with the work of Araki, I was familiar with some of his work as I started exploring more of the, the Japanese photography world. Uh, my entry point was Daito Moriyama, who I think warrants his own episode, and I won't really get into his work here, except to say that he's a prolific street photographer from Japan. But if anyone is exploring contemporary Japanese photography, they're more than likely to come across the work of Araki at some point. The guy is pretty much a celebrity in Japan. And I have to say right here that not all of the work he's produced throughout his life is sexually explicit material. And his work really runs the gamut from just everyday photos of his food and his friends his loved ones, flowers, still lives. But then you will definitely see an undercurrent of sexually explicit material peppered throughout his body of work. So all that being said, he has a worldwide audience. He's had shows all over the world. It seems like when he shows his work in the West, that is when uh, controversy usually follows, although he's no stranger to controversy in his homeland of Japan as well. So the first time I saw any Iraqi work in person, I happened to be in New York City and I was riding the subway and I saw an ad for an exhibit at the Museum of Sex in New York. And yes, New York City has a Museum of Sex. Why wouldn't they? The photograph on the poster was fairly explicit and Iraqi's name was featured on the poster. And I figured, hey, I'm going to head over to the Museum of Sex and check out this exhibit. So when I got there, I wasn't really prepared for what I saw. And one of the first things that struck me was the amount of work that Araki had produced. In particular, he is a prolific photo book publisher. Uh, they had a display table that filled one gallery that was just filled with Araki's photo books. And apparently he's published over 500 photo books of his work. And I think he's still going at it today. So that, as a self-publisher, I find that very impressive. And if you delve a little deeper into his work, you'll see that he started out as a self-publisher with uh, a sort of barely operational Xerox machine where he was taking photos on the street of people, mostly portraits, and then hand-binding his own books and zines. So... That, to me, is, is something uh, to admire for sure. Uh, but beyond his self-publishing and the work that appeared on the walls of the Museum of Sex, 
were very explicit sexual material, obviously. Not the only work that Araki has produced, but certainly what he's most well known for. Most of the photographs in the exhibit featured women, models, many of which were completely naked. Uh, Some were in uh, very explicit positions, uh, leaving not much to the imagination of the viewer. And it struck me that not only I'm looking at the work of a male photographer, but being a man myself, the sexual component of this work being so explicit front and center, I have to admit, I felt a little uncomfortable viewing the work in a public space. But that, I think, is something that Iraqi uses to sort of confront his audience. And I found something uh, at one of his online galleries uh, that I'd like to share. And, And this is just, I'm gonna quote, in many of his signature compositions, Araki juxtaposes Ikebana flower arrangements and Kinbaku bondage performance, appropriating conventions taken from Japan's aesthetic history to sensationalist effect. Araki's mastery of dramatic and specifically erotic tension creates unique and challenging works of contrast. He's amongst the first artists to flaunt Japan's obscenity prohibitions against showing pubic hair. And Araki has refused to give in to public consternation or even interventions staged by the police. End quote. Um, Like I said earlier, in this time of the Me Too movement uh, and an exploration of the male gaze in art in general and in photography specifically, It is interesting to look at this work now through that lens compared to he's been doing this work. He's 80 years old and he's been doing this work for decades now. Um, It definitely makes me uncomfortable, uh, but that's me as a male Western audience member. Uh, And I want to just talk a little bit about the Japanese in general and their culture and its relationship to sex and sexuality. Uh, I traveled to Japan a few years ago and uh, spent some time in Tokyo. Uh, Many of you may know that there are sections of the city, uh, specifically uh, Shinjuku and Kabukacho are the sections of town which one would probably refer to as the red light district, not unlike in Amsterdam or the old Times Square in New York City, where there are nightclubs and sex clubs, strip clubs, uh, escort clubs for both men and for women. And it's right out very highly uh, visible on the streets, signage of young sexualized people are everywhere you turn in these neighborhoods. There's hawkers on the street trying to entice you to come in and see the show. Um, On top of that, the Japanese have a tradition that's known in English as love hotels, which are basically places that people can go and rent by the hour um, and not, uh, not to candy coat it, but it's to have sex in privacy Uh, The reason behind some of this is that uh, Japanese homes tend to be so small 
that uh, having quiet private time is of a premium. So these hotels definitely cater to that audience. But along with that comes catering to an audience of people who are just out for the night and maybe exploring the, the darker side of uh, their, the, the Tokyo nightlife. Also that there are obviously people who are involved in clandestine affairs, maybe using the love hotels as well. And this district is just, you know, there's an abundance of those things going on. And when you walk the streets, you'll notice that there's even discrete parking lots where people can pull in and enter and exit the hotels in private. So that is part of the culture of Japan. If you look at contemporary anime and manga that's being produced in Japan, that is hugely popular, not only in their country, but all over the world. There's definitely sexually explicit material included in that genre as well. So again, as I said, sex in Japan in general is a complicated topic as it is probably everywhere else, but it's very different than our, certainly our American puritanical religious uh, viewpoint of sexuality. So one would keep that in mind when they're looking at the work of Nobuyoshi Araki. I found another photographer who I'd like to focus on some of their work and use it to contrast the work of uh, Araki. And the photographer is named Yuri Nagashima. Yuri Nagashima is a female photographer from Japan. I don't know a lot about her work, except for the fact that I picked up a book about a year and a half ago called Self-Portraits. And what I find really interesting is that it is very open, it is very revealing. Many of the photos are nude uh, self-portraits. There's definitely a sexual undercurrent to some of the photos. There's definitely a provocative standpoint in a lot of the photographs. It also, I believe, and the reason why I, I want to talk about the work further, is that it challenges all of those things that one would find in Araki's photos. Looking at the work of Nagashima, comparing it to the work of Araki, really balances out and makes a stark contrast between how women are represented in photography, in the visual arts, and certainly in Japan. There's a great interview in this book with Aperture writer Leslie A. Martin. She talks to Yuri Nagashima about her work, but also tries to inform the reader against the backdrop of the sort of cultural norms that are in Japan. The first thing that Martin references was a movement in the 90s in Japan known as the hair nude trend. And it was basically softcore uh, pornographic photos of young women that were completely uh, devoid of any pubic hair. As I mentioned earlier, the photos of Iraqi, which did feature women with their pubic hair, were pushing against the decency standards in Japan at the time. And it's interesting that while Iraqi was fighting to have pubic hair in his photos, there was a whole trend of photos of women without any pubic hair at all. 
Nagashima's work definitely explores that gender dynamic and what I would probably call a double standard in uh, Japanese art and media of the time. In this interview, uh, when we find out that the reason why Nagashima even featured nude photographs of herself, the origin of the project was actually a slideshow that Yuri Nagashima would uh, show in public spaces where she would be presenting the work uh, in person. She started making the self-portraits. Uh, she wanted to do nude photos but was so shy and felt guilty about asking anyone else to appear in her photos that she decided just to make self-portraits. She claims that not only that, but then obviously she had more control over the output and then realized that self-portraiture, in her words, is an important genre of photography, and especially in the context of feminism. Many of them are what I would call in a snapshot aesthetic, uh, some of them are pretty innocuous home scenes. Some of them were very tender uh, representations of herself. And then some of the photographs are just very confrontational and explicitly uh, making sexual references. There's one spread of the book where uh, on one page, uh, Yuri Nagashima is seen at the top of a flight of stairs, her knees uh, close into each other, photographed from behind, and we see her flashing uh, her panties at us in an environment that with the uh, sticky notes and boxes behind her is anything but uh, romantic or I'd say even erotic. But then on the other side of the, the page spread is a photograph of her in a red wig, naked, uh, with a feathered boa that's hiding some of her but not all of her uh, definitely playing with uh, some sexual tropes and upending the male gaze taking control over her body and how she's presenting herself then later in the book what i find really interesting is that she is pregnant and uh, is including photographs of her pregnant self including one which is just really startling of her sitting on a couch in a leather jacket with a cigarette in her mouth, her middle finger flashing at the camera and her very obvious pregnant body on full display. Uh, I am leafing through this book as we speak uh, and it is an interesting sort of resolution towards the end of the book to see uh, photographs of a small child in the photo with her and there's some really beautiful tender moments that are portrayed in, including one that looks like uh, was after bath time and it really just looks like a contemporary uh, Japanese version of the Madonna and child. So I have to give uh, kudos to Yuri Nagashima for having the audacity to present herself in this way and to confront what is obviously uh, some long-held stereotypical representations of women in art and in photography, just in general, but certainly in Japan specifically. Ultimately, what it does is, is it disarms the power that a male photographer may have in presenting the woman's body also challenges the male gaze and takes back the power 
that a woman has in, in presenting herself unapologetically and with pride. And that alone, I think, makes this book worthwhile to check out. So that's today's episode. I'm sure you may have opinions on this subject, and I would love to hear from any listeners. To that end, you can reach me via a comment section on my website, which is rightidominantpodcast.com. And just a heads up that I will include links to some of the photographs I've discussed in this episode in the show notes. If you've got any feedback about the podcast in general, feel free to share it there as well. I'm always listening to comments from the audience to make this a better listening experience. Also, if you do like the show and you haven't done this already, please go to your platform that you listen to the show on. And if there's an opportunity for you to leave a rating or a review for the show, I would really appreciate that. Specifically on the Apple Podcast site, I know that there's a place where you can leave a starred rating and also a review. It would really help me out if you did so because Apple uses that to push podcasts to the front of the line when people are looking for new things to listen to. So thank you in advance for doing that. And then lastly, if you visit my website, rightidominantpodcast.com, you'll see that I do have some t-shirts for sale. So feel free to purchase one and support the cause and let everyone out there know that you are a discerning photo geek yourself. So until next time, thanks for listening. This has been the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I've been your host, Nick Toro Jr. Until next time, stay well. Today's episode has been a production of RightEyeDominant.art. The music for today's episode was brought to you by Yazar, Lazenby Industries, The Conant Project, and The White Plains. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero.